Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. All right, so on Career Crashers today, I'm going to do something a little different. I have my wife, Heather Morehouse, here. And she's actually in the other room. Uh, <laughs> there's like a wall between us, but it's easier to record this way. Heather, welcome to Career Crashers. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So the reason I wanted to interview you on here is because I think you have a, a an interesting story of kind of pursuing your career and then realizing that's not what you wanted to do. Actually realizing, at least at the time, and we can get into that, that you didn't want to go and start a career you wanted to actually stay at home and raise a family. And that's, that is a career related decision that we don't really talk about much. It's not the focus of, of, you know, most of career crashers or what we do at crash, but I think it's something that a lot of people face and that's a conversation that doesn't come up very much. And if it does, it's kind of like people are like hostile or defensive or fearful, or that's kind of a, that's a choice that like comes with a lot of baggage maybe. So that's why I wanted to bring you on and, and cool. So I'm now that I gave, talk my huge, about it. I gave my huge monologue, I didn't ask you a question. <laughs> it's just like our typical conversation. Like, cool, bro. Okay. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, what? 16, 17 years of marriage? When is it? Yeah. Six- I can never remember. You and I are both really bad at remembering dates. I think whatever it is, however many years and they've been magical years. So. <laughs> um, okay. So you you went to college kind of like you were a good student in high school, went to college because kind of that's everybody what everybody did, right? Or were you really excited about college or was that just kind of what you did? I it was just a track. I was never excited about college. I I was excited about school when I started out, you know, kind of like a I went to public school from fifth grade on and I was excited about school then. And then I kind of started to burn out around 10, 11th grade, but still you know, planned on going to college. All my friends were, I was in that sort of cohort of people that went to college. You know what I mean? So I wasn't excited about it. Wasn't excited about a career, but I just did it. So, and I think I, I think I made it easier for myself by going to college in the city where we grew up too. Yeah. So in college, you kind of, you kind of were just like, I don't know, I guess I had to pick a major. What's a job? Yeah. What's a career that's interesting to me? You, you thought about archaeology, but then you decided to try to do social work because you were thinking you wanted to work into an adoption. Right. Um, did you, at any point, like, did you have a really clear idea of something you wanted to do or did you always feel like you just sort of didn't know? You know, I've never, from the time I was a kid, I, I had hobbies. I had things I liked. I liked to read about archaeology and love that. But in terms of harnessing that to fulfill a career. I've never felt that. And so in college, choosing a major with the idea of making that into a career was, it was a burden I didn't want. And so I just, I just chose because I had to, and I I switched a couple of times, like you said, and, and finally after a while, it just, it seems stupid. I didn't know though. I didn't know. I couldn't connect the dots and realize why I wasn't liking it. I just realized I was spending money and I was bored and it just didn't seem to make sense, but I didn't realize more of the philosophy until later on, which if you want to ask me about that later, you can, but yeah. So I I got tired. I got burned out. 
Yeah. So, so we got married and we were both young and, and I had, I had just finished college and you had one year to go. Yeah. And we got <laughs> married. Year. We were very, very poor. I mean, yeah. like very tight living in a like tiny poor church mice. Yeah. 900 square foot house. That was like $69,000. I think we bought yeah. it on a land contract. Maybe less. My brother. Yeah. And, and so we're living there and I'm, I was actually hunting for a job right when we got married after we got back from our honeymoon and I was hunting for a job and doing a lot of odd jobs, finally got a job and you were going to, going to school and working mm-hmm. part time. Yeah. And, and I don't remember if it was after we got pregnant or before that you decided you didn't want to go to school anymore. Do you remember? I'm pretty sure it was before. Okay. We got, we got married in the fall. I had just quit working at the gospel mission. And that was sort of when I realized I didn't want to be a social worker either. And not long after that, I decided, you know what? I, I remember I didn't sign up for the next semester. It was it all sort of built with this momentum. Okay, I don't want to work at the gospel mission anymore because that was kind of like my experiment in social work. Um, I don't want to work anywhere. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> I want to. I want to go to college anymore. Right. What's that? You wanted to ride my coattails because I was making 25K a yeah. year. <laughs> Daddy Warbucks. Yeah, so I realized I, I, it was a big move. It, there was a big shift in my brain. It was a big leap for me to decide to not go to school. Um, it's not that my parents pushed it, but it was, it was expected in my community growing up, as in my friends, my teachers, grandparents were academics. So... It was weird, but I remember talking to you about it and you were, you were like, fine, whatever you want to do. And, you know, it, I never looked back. I've never regretted it. It was the right decision, definitely. Yeah, and that, that's a really, that's a tough spot to be in because it's easy to fall into like the sunk cost fallacy. You had three years of college under your belt. Yeah. You had like two semesters left to get a degree. And all the classes you were taking they were boring. You didn't like them. We were paying for this ourselves and we're really tight. As I said, I literally made $25,000 a year and you made like 10 bucks an hour at once you quit the gospel mission job because it was just stressful and not for you. You were working at Panera. And so we're, we're trying to pay for this and paying, you know, paying these ridiculous bills for you to sit in on classes that you didn't enjoy. And you had since decided, I don't want to do social work anymore. That was your degree. But that moment of there's nothing about this that is taking me to a, a known career destination that I want. Right. I don't enjoy the process and it's very expensive. There's no, nothing that makes sense here. But the one thing that keeps a lot of people going is I'll be embarrassed or I'll look like a failure if I don't do yeah. it. Yeah. There was did an element of that. With that. How did you overcome that? Uh, I think my, my level of misery was just so extreme because like I said, this was this was on the heels of, I don't know, what would that, like at least six years of school burnout. I had, I really took it seriously for years. I did my best. I worked hard to get good grades and I just did it. I didn't really know why. I think I I liked learning, but after a while, the learning gets lost in the mediocrity of it. And um, I think that the fact that I could ignore those social pressures. And they weren't extreme in my case, but they were there. I think the fact that I could ignore those and even face my own questions of of failure is uh, indicative of just how miserable I was, truly. I hated it. And I'm, 
I didn't have strong feelings on college either way. I just was miserable with what I was doing. It just needed like a step out. And it just happens to be that I never went back and haven't regretted it. Yeah. So for you, it wasn't so much you had some other thing you really wanted to do. You just knew you needed to get out of what you were doing. It did, yeah. just wasn't worth it. It was totally unenjoyable. So it was more of an exit from a bad situation that you hated than it was an entrance into some new path that you yeah. were excited about. Yep, absolutely. That's a good way to describe it. Did you? What did you think? Like, okay, I want to get out of this situation and then I can work some more hours. And then what did you sort of think was going to be next for you? Did you have any kind of plan or goals for what did you want to try to, to work your way towards or anything like that? Or were you not at that point yet? I honestly, I had no idea. I, I think I had never really been taught or learned to really think and really analyze myself as a member of the marketplace. So I honestly did not start to think about that until a few years later, well into parenthood, truly. And so, so I think, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, you know, I think I probably eventually would have you know, I started working at Panera and that was great. It made sense for a while. And it just happened to be that we got pregnant, you know, around the same time. And so it's possible I would have, you know, worked several jobs until I found something that seemed like more of a niche. I don't know. I'm not really the type of person who has known since I was a kid, I want to do this, this, and this. I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. And so I don't know. I, I don't necessarily, I didn't really have a plan. I, I yeah. would have worked, but I don't think it would have been I didn't have like a serious track, you know? Well, and that was actually like exciting for me and for both of us, I think, because we did know, I didn't have a, a clear plan either, but we knew we wanted to do something that we were passionate about and that was kind of adventurous. And so yeah. we, we were talking about joining a friend who was starting an orphanage in Kenya. We Forgot gonna, about that, yeah. We're going to go help him do that. That was on the table. Yeah. Potentially going and running this rural rustic resort up in Canada on yeah. Lake um, Superior that some friends of ours had just bought and they wanted someone to, to run it and caretake. And we were kind of looking at like, what can we do for a couple years before we have kids? It's kind of really interesting and adventurous. And we were, you know, we were exploring all these things and we were excited about it. And neither of us had like a career trajectory that was pro prohibiting us from that. Um, but then we, we were not very good at family planning. So we, uh, we got <laughs> pregnant. It was a surprise to us. Um, yeah. We got pregnant. And for you, when did you know that you wanted to stay home and raise a family full time and not even think about trying to build a career outside of the house until that was accomplished? I think it was, you know, there was the surprise at finding out we were pregnant before we planned and the sort of derailment of our immediate plans. You know, I think that I thought those adventures we planned would probably help me, you know, come to understand myself better, certainly. And so, and they were exciting, you know? And so I think that once we um, adjusted to the fact that, okay, we're in we're in child rearing mode now. Um, I think I quickly realized, yeah, I want to, I want to be here with the kids. I've always drawn a lot from my own experiences growing up. I don't have, I don't have strong views on women in the workplace versus home or vice versa, but my mom chose to stay home. And I love that. I love that she was there. And, you know, I couple that with the fact that 
I haven't had strong career views myself. So to me, it was a no brainer. It was a no brainer to just make the transition into uh, building a home or being the homemaker. Yeah, I love, and I haven't looked back at all since. So have you felt that, like, have you ever felt that you've needed to defend that decision or have you felt like pressure from the outside world that you've got to have a good reason that you're doing that? Or, you know, do you feel like you get pigeonholed as a certain type of person because you don't have a career? And has that been a challenge? Occasionally. Um, and I think it has depended on where we've lived too. I think I felt more pressure about being a stay at home mom when we lived in Washington, DC, you know, it's, um, a stay at home home. You were were supposed to go work at the Pentagon and then we're supposed to hire (laughs) like a a nanny for like a half a million dollars a year to teach our kid Mandarin. (laughs) We didn't fit in. Exactly. Uh, we did not live the typical lifestyle there. And so I think I probably will. And, you know, we adopted a black baby and we're white. So there's, there were a lot of times in DC where I felt maybe kept at arm's length, but for the most part, I haven't really felt a lot of criticism. I, if anything, maybe I see a blank stare, like people just don't understand why someone would choose that or what that kind of life looks like. But I feel like more than anything, uh, if I feel insecure, it's my own wondering about myself. Have I have I chosen the right path? And I think. I think everybody does that, no matter what path you choose. And uh, of course, there are times when I'm exhausted. We've got four kids. The kids aren't sleeping, and I'm burned out. And I think, should I have done something different? But ultimately, ultimately, I, I'm happy that I chose this path. And also, ultimately, I don't think it matters. This is where I am. And I like to contemplate where we've been, but I'm also looking to the future as well, you know? Yeah, you know, and, and we, we've, from the beginning of our marriage, kind of treated our marriage as a, well, I like to say as a business, you think that's ridiculous, <laughs> but, but it's true anyway. Like there's a division of labor that we've sort of agreed on. Yeah. And neither of us, neither of us are imposing it on the other. Right. Um, but like, okay, now that we're having kids, you have basically said, you know, my, my primary responsibility is raising them. And, and that has kind of, you have been like, you've freed me up to pursue the career goals that I have that are, you know, for our family. And you have always been very, very supportive of me not optimizing for title or stability or pay, but optimizing for meaning. And like, we're kind of on this adventure together. So the jobs that I had before I started Praxis, the first company, they were all based on things I was passionate about. Things right. that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we moved to a city. We didn't want to live in long-term DC because there was a job I was passionate about and we would not have been able to move across the country with no established connections uh, without you being able to full time be focused on helping make that move, you know, being there with the kids, adopting. That was like a full time job, all the yeah. adoption paperwork and everything. And we moved through it really, really fast because yeah. you were able to work on it full time. Right. And free me up in time, but also in mental space to know that like the household things are moving forward on your initiative. And then I could be focusing on career things more. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's ultimately what, when I first came to you and I said, I had this idea for this company that I wanted to launch. And I asked you, I said, "I, I can't do it if you're not supportive of it if you hold it against me later, if you say, okay, fine, let's do this. And then later you're like mad that I'm, you know, stressed all the time or that I'm working tons of hours. 
that's going to like break us apart and I don't want that to happen. So I only want to do this if you're 100% behind it. And I said, just let me know, let me know what you think. And I'm not going to move forward unless you say, let's do this. Right. You, you took like two weeks before you said anything to me. Yeah. That's long for me to deliberate. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then you said, yes, let's do it, which was, which was phenomenal. And you have never held it against me. And you've been amazing as we've gone from Praxis to now Crash. And, and it's amazing to have you as a part of this with me. I could not do it as an entrepreneur without that, for sure, especially not having kids. But I want to ask you about when I first asked you that in those two weeks, what were you thinking through and what made you decide to say yes? And what were the, the pros and cons you were weighing? That's, that's a good question. And it's not really something I've thought of in a long time. Um, I, probably predominantly money, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where's the money going to come from? Um, it's, like and Chris, it's like Chris Rock said, women be shopping. Women be shopping. I, Chris Rock? Even, I, I have disliked that phrase over the years, but it's just true. So, um, <laughs> um, you know, I not thought a lot about women, money. Just my wife. That's all. I'm not making <laughs> blanket statements here, people. <laughs> We agree between the two of us. It's true for us, right? Okay, yes. um, yeah, I, I thought about money and I thought, you know, I grew up afraid of risk for sure. Um, very risk averse. And so I think my mind wandered all over what could happen, you know, going back to live at the gospel mission I used to work at. I don't know. <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, ultimately, and this is probably going to sound cheesy. I don't mean this to sound really saccharine, but I've always believed in you. Like I like who you are as a person. I love your drive. And I mean, I just don't have that drive in a big picture way. And I'm okay with that. I don't care, but I really like being partnered with you who has that. And so I've, I've done the due diligence of thinking about it. And like you said, really, really analyzing whether I would come to resent that choice. But ultimately I thought, Hey, um, we, you know, the, this life together truly is an adventure and I like who you are and I love who you are and I'm great heading wherever it takes us, truly. That's the real reason I want to interview just so you could say nice things about me. <laughs> and uh, I love that you said you did your due diligence. It makes it sound like I presented you with like an investor deck and then you yeah, did does. like due diligence <laughs> on all of the, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it really, but okay, but it's, it's a joke, but it really is. I heard somebody say once that when you go to start a company, you are your first investor. Like you got to invest your own time in getting it going. And then your, your spouse is your second investor. Mm. And that's true. Like I needed to know if you don't say, yes, I'm willing to invest in building this company um, with you, then it couldn't have happened or else, mm-hmm. the, you know, it would have ruined the family if I would have tried to do it. And I wasn't willing to right. pay that price. Um, so you were, you were an investor and you did do due diligence in the sense of like, what is this going to mean? And what am I, what am I buying into here? Um, Absolutely. And I, I, I love that. And I've had ideas for projects and things that I've run by you that you have not been excited about. Before. Yeah. It's not, I did not feel like, oh, whatever I say. Uh, and I, and I was not willing to try to browbeat you into like, come on, like cajole and convince because when, yeah. if that's the case, cause I can be persuasive, then if I persuaded you into it without enough reflection, then later I'm going to pay the price because you're going to end up feeling regretful or bitter that that happened. For sure. And I think you and I know each other well, and I I like the way you phrased it. I did not feel pressured into saying yes. And I chose to take a lot more time than I would naturally do to make that decision. And, you know, I think also kind of like in tandem with what we're saying, I, I've always felt 
I feel like it's important to add that I've always felt like if I ever did develop a passion for anything, you know, a, a career or whatever that would look like, you have you've always told me and I've always known I could always I could always do that. If I ever wanted you to take more time with the kids while I transition to some money earning endeavor, I could always do that. So our roles as they've been traditionally could always change and we we would work on that together. I've, I've never felt trapped in the role I've taken on in our family. I you know, I feel like this is a partnership and it's dynamic. Yeah. So when you said okay, let's do this, start a company. That was seven years, three houses and two companies ago. <laughs> uh, and I want to, I want to end with sort of these two separate things. One yeah. is what has that roller coaster been like from your perspective? What is it like to, to be a partner with somebody who started a company, uh, uh, you know, to be a part of the entrepreneur startup journey from that perspective? And then the final thing we'll end with is your, your kind of thoughts on your future going forward. So, um, so let's start there. You know, the last seven years, the, the, the roller coaster that everybody talks about with starting a company. Um, you don't hear a lot of podcast interviews with spouses who are a part of that roller coaster uh, as well. What's it been like from your perspective? That's interesting question. I don't know if I've articulated that for myself. Um, being in a marriage, being in a family that owns a business where the husband owns the business that is their income. It, in a way, the business is its own entity in the family. The business is like another family member. And um, it's so how the business is doing and how you're feeling about it is palpable in the household. And I don't know if the kids pick up on a lot. I mean, kids pick up on stress like they do with any parental job. But at least for me, it feels like having another member of the household. Um, and there has been stress at times, but on the other hand, I feel like the stress and the roller coaster is a fair trade for having you do what you love. I, I remember keenly thinking about the trade-off of, you know, years ago when we were talking about practice and you broached me with that topic. I, I remember thinking so clearly, well, I could say no to this and that would be okay, but I knew that it would, your quality of life would take a hit and that would affect my quality of life. And so those are just some of the trade-offs that have come with this roller coaster ride. And I mean, a roller coaster ride is life for anybody. So it hasn't felt like I've suffered because of it in any way. Do you know what I mean? It's actually just been really exciting. Yeah. It's funny. I've noticed both of us, you know, when, we, when I first started, if Praxis, like the idea of having a whole bunch of employees that relied on me for a paycheck and not knowing you know, be, knowing that if we didn't bring in more money, we'd run out in a couple months, that would have been like way, way stressful, right? Because it started, it was sort of just me and we bootstrapped it. And it was, as we've gone, you just get more and more comfortable with higher and higher levels of risk. Yeah. I do on the business side, but you have on the personal side. I remember yeah. like, you know, at one point it was like, I'm like telling you, you know, I don't know if the company is a couple of years into practice. I don't know if the company's going to survive. We're like four months out of running out of money. Things are not going right. We're not getting there. <laughs> And you were like, I'm not worried. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Like, I, I hope you're, you're not overly stressed, but I'm not worried about where money's going to come from. Yeah. I have no backup plan, Heather. I don't, I don't want to go work another job and I don't think I could anymore. I got to make this company work and I don't see how I'm going to. And you're just like, yeah, I'm sure you, and you, not, you would not have been that way a few years earlier. No, never. It, it's not at all in my chemical makeup, my DNA from growing up. And I think it's just, um, 
it's probably just come with age and realizing probably having kids to real, realizing things you can't control and, and, a, and an interesting kind of faith in the universe. You know, I really am not worried. And I mean, shit happens in life. And if it happens, you roll with it. Right. Yeah, We're going to have to put an explicit afraid. warning on this episode. <laughs> you said shit. Um, <laughs> I saw you like hesitated for a minute when you said that. I, <laughs> if your mom is listening, you're in trouble. Uh, it's funny you said that the company is like another member of the family and you wondered about the kids. I can tell you, I know the kids feel that at least to an extent because when I exited Praxis and went, you know, we had spun up, crashed at simultaneous with Praxis. And then it was like, okay, I got to go all the way into crash and exited Praxis and went full time with crash. The kids were all like, it was like a, it was like a member of the family grew up and moved yeah. out. They were like, why are you not doing Praxis? I loved Praxis. Praxis had a better logo. How come you don't have the Praxis office? You mean you're not the boss of Praxis anymore? And like, yeah. it was like hard for them. They, they were like sense. mourning over this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they were, they were raised with Praxis. Yeah, absolute member of the household and weird for them that that era came to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've had to... It's like, you know, I don't know, maybe if people with a dog, you know, like one dog dies, you get a new dog. I've had to like try to teach them to love crash as much as they love crashes. So we're still working on that. Okay. So final question for you. So you got, you know, we have four kids and our youngest is three. And so we're, we're still very much in the child rearing phase. We are. Whether, whether when we're still in that phase and then, and I take a more active role or after that phase is over. Do you think very much about, in addition to being um, a mother and running the business of the household, are there other things, either career-wise or hobby-wise, that you see in the future that you want to pursue more? Absolutely. And I don't really know what they are yet, but I've already got it in my consciousness that, you know, Yes, we're still in the child rearing phase, but the years are rapidly coming to an end. And I've I've felt like I need to start to punctuate my life now with hobbies and maybe thoughts at money making endeavors so that I don't have this abrupt ending and an all of a sudden new beginning. That's that's hard for everybody. It's really hard for me. Um so I'm sort so like of like if trying your to- entire identity is being a mother running a household all of a sudden the kids are out on their own and your identity has gone. And that's like, that's when empty nest syndrome is the worst problem. You want to avoid that by sort of gradually introducing more interests. Absolutely. Because that's not being a mother and a homemaker, home educator. That's not all I am, but I'm in that mode. And I've been in that mode for so long. I can tell I need to put out the feelers of exploration to see what else I want to do before I come to that abrupt end, before they don't need me, before Lachlan's 15 and hanging out with his friends and I've got an empty house. So yeah, I don't really know what I love. I love health. I love fitness. I I love to read. I'd love to, we've talked for years. I'd love to travel with you more. Um, and just kind of be more of a partner with you and what you do. But um, yeah, I don't know what I'll do, but I definitely want to explore more than just being, you know, a stay-at-home mom. Well, and, I know you still got it. You still got an interest in uh, history, very old things, archaeology. Yeah. Once yeah. Crash needs a full-time archaeologist on staff, <laughs> then we'll have a perfect combo where we can work <laughs> together and this build the company, you know? <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> We'll, we'll find a way. Well, any any, uh, any thoughts you would like to leave 
if there's somebody listening who's like, okay, I'm kind of pursuing career stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me that's just not sure, or maybe uh, somebody who's married and, and having kids or thinking about having kids and they're considering, hey, what if I don't pursue a career, but I focus on, you know, building a, a family life and at home, would you have any thoughts or advice for them? Yeah, I think probably the most important thing is don't look at anything like it's permanent or forever, but, and in that, if you're interested, you don't know what to do, um, just pause and step back and try the thing you're interested in. And if you need to change it, you change it. You know, it happens to be that I realized I was unhappy in college, not because I hate college, but I was unhappy there. And it happened to be that we had kids soon. And so I I moved myself into homemaker mode and that worked for me, that worked for us. That also won't be forever. So remember things are dynamic and um, don't think of anything as permanent. And there's, there's really no wrong choice in that regard. Yeah, that's really that's really freeing advice I found for myself and for all the career crashers that I've talked to over the years that if you think in terms of what do I want to do with my life, that's so overwhelming. But if you think in terms of, and as you get older, the time chunks get longer, but when you're young, it's like, okay, what's the best use of the next six months? What's the best use of the next year or two? Yeah. And now at our age, it's more like two, three, four year chunks. You <laughs> think in next decade. time moves faster. Uh, it's yeah. a very real thing. Mm. Um, but I think that's so great because it's like, it's not like I am giving up on anything else in life and now I am a stay at home mom. That's my identity. It's like, no, for the next couple of years, I want to focus my time here. And then we'll determine after that what's the next best use of time, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And today more than ever, these times we live in now, absolutely. There's a lot more fluidity, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The average person has like, I don't know what it is, like 10 different jobs. The average job lasts like one and a half years. Like there's just so much flexibility, the opportunity yeah. to freelance, to do combinations of things. So for sure. Um, well, Heather, thank you for uh, for coming on and awkwardly being interviewed by your husband in the same <laughs> house on the other side of the of the wall on a careers <laughs> podcast when you have not pursued a formal career. I think it was great. I'm glad you you were willing to do it. I really enjoyed it. I always feel awkward being interviewed by you, but it was really fun and I had a, had a good time. So thank it's you. Probably my good looks, charm and wit that makes you feel a little bit awkward. That's it's common. I can't gaze upon your presence. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is why we have such a good relationship. <laughs> All right, hon. We'll see you later. See you at dinner. Love you. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at Isaac at crash.co.